Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. My co-host, Nick Polak, was not able to make the time to talk about Penn State football for all of you tonight, so make sure you chastise him for that. I am joined by Mr. Matt DeBear, who is fresh off of a weekend and change in Las Vegas. Matt, how you doing? Do you have any tattoos or marriages you want to tell us about? Um, negative on both, but uh, I'm certainly feeling the effects of, <laughs> of, of three days in Sin City and then a few more days out west uh, causing trouble in Arizona and surrounding areas. All right. Yeah, now Matt's back in his, uh, his lovely home about an hour away from Ann Arbor, which is uh, that's a good place to jump in usually, but we have one other person on this edition of the pod. Uh, it's... We, we try to get someone who's an expert for the other team on for these things. Um, we weren't able to do that this time, so we said, you know what, screw it. This will be the perfect time for Blog Dad to make his debut. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, give it up for Mr. Chris Grovich. Yeah, Grovich. Sorry about that, Chris. I am totally <laughs> fucking this up, so how about you just start talking? Oh, you're so fired. Um, <laughs> I, I also have no tattoos or marriages. I, I have discuss i'm sorry what was that i have no tattoos or marriages to discuss well i mean come on we all know you have a dragon tattooed across your entire back but we're saving that for a different podcast right that's fine yes okay awesome but yeah other than that how you doing buddy i'm good man how are you not too bad thanks for uh thanks for joining on this episode of the pod to talk about uh talking about khaki god uh that weird weird bastard jim harbaugh whose Michigan Wolverines are going to host the Penn State and Indy Lions this weekend in Ann Arbor. Michigan is 3-0, and uh, having defeated Hawaii, Central Florida, and Colorado to varying levels of... They, they just dominated each of those games, especially the one against Hawaii, which they won 63-3. to uh, Penn State, of course, 2-1, and wins over Penn <laughs> State and Temple, lost to Pittsburgh. And Matt, we're going to start with you uh, as we're diving into this, ep- this episode of the podcast... What worries do you have heading into Michigan? I know there are probably a few that you could pick one, but what's the one that sticks out? Um, I wasn't going to say everything, but you kind of took the thunder there by saying there are a few. I, I guess I would say the biggest thing would be the experience that Michigan has. Someone like 17 or 18 senior starters um, on oh. both side, you know, across both sides of the ball. And when you have that, not, and they're you know, not only experienced, but they're very talented players too. There's not a whole lot that is going to get them rattled or that they're not going to have seen. Um, plus, being at home, I think it's just in a game where Michigan seemingly has every advantage on Penn State, you know, regardless of where you want to look, the biggest thing is that they have those advantages with good, experienced, older players. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I, I've, I, we've thrown it out a little bit on the site and on the pod, Michigan is kind of like Temple last year in that there are just so many seniors on this team. Like, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. Everyone listed as a starter on their defense is a senior except for one person, and that's Jabril Peppers, and he's going to the NFL and all like after this year. So there's a really good chance that when Penn State and Michigan play next year, we're going to see an entirely different Penn State defense. We're going to see a handful of changes on Penn State's offense, lose a few offensive linemen, lose a number of their skill position players. Uh, yeah, so like you said, it's going to be really hard going in and rattling a team that is this experience on their home field. Uh, Chris, I want to get get your thoughts on this. What are 
your biggest wor- your single biggest worry heading into the game against Michigan? Uh, shout out to Bill Connolly of SB Nation Football Study Hall. Always stuff rate, stuff rate. Oh yeah, um, Michigan is one of the very best. Although I mean, the three teams they played are are trash. Colorado's okay, but just looking at the uh, S and P Plus, I mean, Hawaii is one nineteen, Central Florida is ninety eight, Colorado sixty seven. You know, Penn State I think is twenty eight. So you know, theoretically, they're they're a much stronger team than anything Michigan has faced so far, but at the same time, Michigan's stuff rate is, I believe, uh, one, which I think is good. <laughs> no, they're, they're, uh, they're eight. They're eighth in the country. They're rushing oh, that's, success that's rate on defense. Yes. No, they're, they're rushing success rate uh, defensively is number one in the country. Yeah. And Penn State, looking at their stuff rate offensively, is still 105. So that's looking at a whole bunch of second and 11s. And that th- that's just going to be bad news. So they're going to have to throw in first down. They're going to have to just completely mix things up in in order to I don't know. They're screwed. Yeah. Uh, for for the record, stuffs rate are running plays that are stuffed at the line of scrimmage or behind. So for Michigan to stuff thirty point six percent of the rushes that they face going against a Penn State offensive line that we can all agree has been better this year but still has a lot of room to grow that's something that's not especially reassuring and uh, like Chris mentioned when he shouted out Bill Conley uh, he mentioned Hawaii 119 Central Florida 98 Colorado 67 and Penn State 28 well by S&P plus Michigan is the best team in the country so um, yes yes that's kind of uh, kind of terrifying to consider especially when you remember the thing that worries me the most and that's that Michigan is going to be on offense in the trenches, really physical, really nasty, going to try and win the line of scrimmage and get their running backs who, while they're, I mean, Devion Smith, Ty Isaac, neither of them are, you know, going to be Heisman Trophy candidates. They're still the kind of guys who could chew up yards and get some yards for Michigan's offense, especially with how their offensive line blocks and how physical they are. So Penn State needs to survive the battle of the line of scrimmage which sounds a little bit worse than I mean it to, but I hope to think that y'all get the point with that. And even worse, uh, Penn State may not have any linebackers heading into this one who have ever, you know, played a team like Michigan. It, we don't know what the, uh, what the status is for Brandon Bell. We don't know what the status is for Jason Cabinda. We know Naeem Hortman's out. Naeem Hortman White is out. So Brandon Smith is going to be the starting inside linebacker in all likelihood with uh, probably Jake Cooper and Manny Bowen flanking him. So uh, man, that, I mean, that really worries me. Like There are just plenty of reasons why I think that this could be one of those games where it's like 21-3 at the half, 24-3, but we're all sitting around going, Penn State has not kept this game as close as it needs to be or as the score would indicate, which for a three-score game would be really gross. But with every reason for pessimism, there are usually one or two reasons for optimism in a game like this. And Chris, I'm going to have you start. What has you going into this game going maybe? Not Penn State is definitely going to win, but maybe Penn State's able to win this game because blank. Uh, nothing. I, I, have, I, have, 
I've, you know, it's it's one of those deals where I, I say to myself, like, okay, if this happens and this happens and this, you know, okay, if they don't turn the ball over and if they manage to stay even on special teams and if they can, you know, tip a few passes and get some turnovers from, you know, it, it's, I, I can't find a place where Penn State has any, any sort of clear advantage. You know, certainly along the, the you know, their either side of the of the line of scrimmage really i mean the, our defensive line is probably and they're probably going to get pushed around our linebackers we might not have any you know yeah. and and michigan might not need to throw the ball all that much and if they do they're going to be in, in a lot of third and twos or third and threes and and they're, they're going to be able to dictate what they want to do offensively and with penn state's defense you know, like like you said, the offensive line has improved, and 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 granted, that means they've gone from complete, you know, garbage to kind of a little bit below average, which is which you know is great. You know, that it's it's by by the standards of the last two years, that's fantastic, but still not good, and certainly not good enough to uh, keep Michigan off balance. So. <laughs> they're they're just gonna have to you know they're just gonna have to maybe get a little tricky. They're gonna have to go against tendencies. They're just gonna have to I don't know get lucky in so many ways to keep it close. Oof. So Matt, I'm gonna give you the impossible job of following that one up. Um, <laughs> what reasons for optimism do you have heading into this game? I'm going to assume you probably have one more than Chris does. <laughs> you I hope will- so. Chris had none, so I'm going to give you at least two, and I'll probably end up saying like three or four. And, and like you said, these these aren't certainly reasons why I would say Penn State is going to win the game, or if this happens, they will win the game. Um, but there, there are a few reasons why optimistic me sees a way that maybe they keep this close and have a chance at the end, maybe, possibly, if everything goes right. Uh, the first one is Saquon Barkley. Um, if he's not the best player on the field for both teams, he's going to be the second behind Jabril Peppers in my opinion, um, and we saw him you know, numerous times last year, especially in big moments. You look at the Ohio State game and the numbers he put up against that um, very talented defense <laughs> against a line that was way more overmatched than this line in all likelihood will be on Saturday. So you know, his ability to, to really make something out of nothing um, is, is something to check off in, in the left-hand column, as, you, as it were. Um, the other thing that when I was uh, you know, thinking of some reasons as Chris was making us all sad and depressed and wondering why I'm even going to the game on Saturday You're is... You're welcome. <laughs> Too late. I already have tickets. I'm not missing this. Oh, the, you poor thing. The, the other would be Penn State's offense has been pretty good this year. And in the last six <laughs> quarters, the defense has not been terrible. Um, obviously they've given up points, but when you look at, you know, five of the touchdowns or three of the five touchdowns that have been scored against Penn state are on fields that I think are 30 yards or less set up by special teams play, yeah. you know, the big return by Pitt or the muffed kick or whatever you want to call what happened to, uh, I believe that was, uh, was that Campbell that, that got hit by the punt last week? I believe uh, Warrior. Well, that's right. Um, was it mine? Yeah. Yes, it was. Ooh. Um, regardless of who it was, you know, set up a short field for Temple that uh, took him four tries to punch it in from three or four yards out, and then uh, the interception deep in his own end that McSorley threw. So I think you know, self-inflicted mistakes um, have put a 
a green young learning defense behind the eight ball a lot. Um, you know, even early in the pick game, um, you know, two short fields set up two touchdowns for the Panthers there. So I think if Penn State can avoid the mistake, which is easier said than done, um, especially on the road against a talented, good team, if they can avoid giving up short fields, you know, playing the game of field position, I think the offense is capable of moving the ball and controlling the tempo a little bit and hopefully putting up some points that, again, if, if all those things fall into place, maybe it's you know within a score going to the fourth quarter and anything can happen, but... Um, like I said, that's 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 a tall thing to ask against a, a very talented team to avoid avoid mistakes because even though they, they might be self inflicted, it's still a result of you know yeah. playing a team that's you know faster, stronger, putting you in in uncomfortable positions. For me, it's that this Michigan offense. Don't get me wrong; I think that uh, at wide receiver and tight end, Amari Darbo, Jehu Chesson, Jake Butt. Two awesome tight end, or one awesome tight end, two awesome wide receivers. Who, when they're able to get free, they can really, they can really hurt you. I'm still, I want to see Wilton Spate against a defense that's um, better than Hawaii or Central Florida or Colorado, and I want to see Michigan run the ball well against a defense that isn't one of those three teams. So, that, like, I have a little bit of optimism that. While Penn State's defense is really green in the front seven, it may be able to uh, limit what Michigan is able to do offensively. And if this game is like 17-10, going into the fourth quarter, because the, on the other side of the ball, James Franklin and Joe Moorhead are going to go way deep into their bag of tricks, I think. I think we're going to see them really try and do the smoke and mirrors thing in a way that they just really haven't gotten a chance to do this year to try and catch Michigan and its experience and talent on that side of the ball off guard. So I think if Penn State is able to bust out one or two, I don't want to say fluky, but that's kind of the word that I'm looking for here, of those just weird plays that don't make sense and they magically end up going for like 55 yards against all odds. If Penn State's able to do that and the defense is able to limit what Michigan is able to do, I think there are plenty of reasons to think that this game could be close going into the fourth quarter. And then in the end, again, if it comes down to just one or two of those weird fluky plays, anything can happen. So that also kind of leads into the next thing, which how does Penn State win? And for me, it's just get lucky a few times and hope Michigan's offense isn't used to playing against a defense that has a pulse. Um, maybe hope Brandon Bell and Jason Kamida are back in some capacity to take some of the pressure off of Manny Bowen and Jake Cooper and Brandon Smith and that front and that defensive line. But that's just, that's how I think Penn State wins this game. Um, Chris, I almost don't want to ask your thoughts on this question, uh, but <laughs> well, it's I'm going to. It's a different question. I mean, it, it's different than asking where I think Penn State has an advantage. I mean, how can Penn State actually win this thing? They need to, you know, they need to get the free points. They need to get, you know, a punt return for a touchdown. They need, um, you know, maybe a defensive score something, you know, they need to get that sort of bonus stuff. You know, the invisible yards on special teams with, with Gillikin pinning them deep in their own territory. Oh. That that kind of stuff can go a long way. So, 
Yeah, I mean, you, you hope Michigan has an off day, and and you have to hope Penn State gets all the all the bonus stuff. That's that's really it. There's no there's no magic to it. You can't turn it over deep in your own end. That's that's been the death of of Penn State's offense. And then, and like you said, they've been good. You know, moving the ball has, has generally been fine, but it's you know the, the interception deep in their own territory, the fumbles. You know, Brendan Mann can't give up that. You know, strip sack for you know for a fumble or a turnover or a touchdown. That stuff has to be avoided. And and you know, granted that's that's partially on McSorley, but it's mostly on on the left tackle as well. And you know, Michigan's going to be sending some pretty good guys after McSorley, oh, yeah. uh, very much including Peppers at, at times. So you know, it, it's there's a path, but it's like it's it's so narrow and they. Penn State just can't afford to give away any free stuff. Yeah, that's uh, one thing I wanted to mention uh, that I forgot to mention earlier. Um, Michigan has been without its, after Peppers, probably its best defensive player in Jordan Lewis, uh, defensive back, just insanely good. Uh, He's going to be back. He's going to be out there. Um, One of the best defensive backs in the country. They've also been without Taco Charlton, uh, their outside linebacker, defensive end type, who's going to be making his way back in after hurting his ankle, I believe, in the second game, first game of the season, something like that. So uh, a good Michigan defense is going to get a little bit better. On that yeah, note, Matt, how does Can, I, can oh, I just add one more thing? Yeah, They're going to have to go after Allen Robinson's boy, Channing Stribling. <laughs> because, yes. uh, and, and I don't know if that's going to be DeAndre Tompkins. I don't know if that'll be uh, uh, Deshaun Hamilton. I guess it'll be Tompkins, but... That's where they're going to have to attack if Jordan Lewis is back. Yeah, um, we we may have to figure out some way to pay homage to Mister Stribling. I will pay for DeAndre Tompkins' tattoo. No, Chris, don't say if, that. Don't say I, that. I will. Okay. Yeah. Right. I will not do that. Um, I will find a way. We'll find a way. <laughs> no, we we will not find a way. I'm complying with uh, the National Collegiate Athletic Association. And it's various bylaws when I say that no one at Roar Lions. Roar is going to pull a uh, – we're not going to trestle anyone or anything. So, Except me. I'm willing to take a chance on this. Chris, stop talking, man. This is not funny. It's All right. really, really funny. But, yeah, neither here nor there. Uh, let's pull Matt in. Matt, how does Penn State win this game? Chris kind of put it really well when he said the path is really narrow. This is like one of those choose-your-own-adventure books – where there is like one combination of selections that you can make where Penn State wins this game. And it involves a lot of what Chris said. Um, you know, not giving up the big special teams play, not turning the ball over, forcing turnovers on Michigan's end, um, you know, capitalizing on every opportunity Michigan gives you because you're gonna, you'll, you'll likely get one or two, um, <laughs> but you're not going to get many, and you have to take advantage of, of whatever glimmer of hope they give you. you, know, if, you if you do get that turnover... Deep in, the, in Michigan's end, you have to put seven points on the board, not kick the field goal like they did against Pitt late in the game. Um, you know, if, if if they muff the punt, you have to you know get the you have to f- fall on the ball. If you have the the pass hits you in the hands, you have to make the catch um, as a defender for the interception. Um, you almost have to play play the perfect game um, where you just you know you, you don't make any mistakes on, on your end, and you capitalize on every mistake Michigan makes. And, that the, and with all that said, you probably still have to hope, you know, your best case scenario in that, in that situation is you're going into the, the fourth quarter close where really anything can happen. All right. Um, yeah, we'll start with Matt for our next question. Um, how does Penn State lose this game? 
every other way we didn't mention. Awesome. <laughs> um, Don't even ask me. Next question. Now, it's, yeah. it's, it's really, you know, do a lot of what, what we've seen in the first three games. You know, commit those turnovers and commit them in, in the worst part of the field. Um, don't, don't fall in the fumble. You, you know, miss tackles. You, you give up the negative plays on first down where you're putting yourself behind the chains. Brock Heward, yeah. um, you know, really hammered this home against Pitt, um, you know, the ESPN analyst in that game, where Penn State's offense, it's true for most teams, but especially for a team that, like Penn State that has a young offensive line that can't put themselves in obvious passing situations, where you're just going to be able to tee off on, on the offensive line and bring, bring pressure from different angles and try and confuse McSorley. Don't give up those negative plays on first down where you're ending up in second 11 or second 12. You can't be in, in third and long where, you, where everyone knows you're going to pass it. Um, Chris said earlier, break, break tendencies. Um, you, you do that by avoiding all those things, and that's, you lose the game by doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, on the defensive side, um, you know, Michigan has uh, Chesham and one of the great names I just forgot. Uh, the other receiver who utilized a little bit uh, in the uh, jet sweeps. I'm sorry. Darbo. No, he's the young guy uh, with the great last name. Uh, da, da, da. Not Drake Harris. Not Maurice Wade. McDoom. Yes. Yep. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie McDoom. McDoom. Yep. I'm just uh, looking down the list. I'm like, oh well, it has to be McDoom. <laughs> <laughs> or Taco, but uh, he plays. Or Taco. Defense. We need Taco McDoom, really. <laughs> Make this happen. Um, but the the play that Penn State struggled with for two games now, that, that jet sweep action, whether the the man in motion gets the ball behind the quarterback or it's just a decoy. Um, the Temple utilized that um, for two scores last week. Obviously, we know what Pitt did to Penn State with it. Um, Michigan has the best athletes that Penn State's seen yet, and they're going to run that same stuff. It's part of their regular package. And you know <laughs> they've seen on film, they're going to you know, try to expose Penn State's defense as much as they can. Um, Really, you know, I, I joked you know, every other way, but Penn State hasn't played terribly in their first three games, but they need to play so much better than that to yeah. win. And I think if it's more of the same, um, you know, the point, point spread is 18.5 last time I looked. I think it's going to be that kind of game if, if Penn State doesn't take a huge step forward. Um, and that, that answers the question of how they lose. Yeah. And I really want to clarify something. I think that... It may come off as like we all think that Penn State is, they just really suck and like Harbaugh is God and all that, which, like, no, not at all. I think that the three of us probably think that Penn State's a little bit cre- better than it gets credit for. But Michigan is a really, really good football team. Like, Michigan is a team that could be playing in the national title game at the end of this season. So it's just a really tall task for Penn State this early in the season to be asked to go to Ann Arbor and beat a really, really good team. Now, next year when Penn State and Michigan play and Michigan has to replace 18 guys or whatever the number is, that's a different story. But for now, this is just a really weird and tough game for Penn State to have to play in its fourth game of the season with you know the injury issues that we've seen, the consistency issues that only get figured out with more playing time, stuff like that. Um, I, I don't think... I, you know, one thing I w- want to just add to that is not only is Michigan really good and Penn State's not bad, like like I said, they haven't played terribly in their first three games. They had that really slow start against Pitt that cost them. But it's if you could pick a worse matchup for Penn State to open Big Ten play, 
it's Michigan. It's just yeah. they yeah. they match up so well their strengths with Penn State's weaknesses, especially now with the injuries and at, on the linebacking on the, within the linebackers. Exactly. Um, it's yeah. just a really really tough matchup um, against a really talented team. On top of I, I oh I, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say it's a bad matchup for a young team at a bad time. Exactly. Yeah, and, exactly. and you know if, if and if Penn State scores on that last drive against Pitt, we're talking about them in a more positive light. But I'm not sure it changes anything in terms of this game. Yeah, uh, I think that's I would agree right. with that. I think we agree with that. But yeah, basically, if everything happens that we expect to happen in this game, Penn State's going to lose, and it's never going to seem like it's all that close of a game. Which doesn't mean anything other than Michigan's just really good, and Penn State has a way to go. Uh, Chris, just I'm going to ask you mostly because I want to see how funny your response is. But how does Penn State lose this game? Oh, life goes on another day. You know, <laughs> it's just you know everything that's supposed to happen happens. You know, um, going going back to the football study hall stats, Pitts or um, talking about Pitt now. <laughs> um, Michigan is number one in punt success return rate or punt return success rate. Don't it to him you know yeah don't don't care do do this you know do the safe smart thing when the situation calls for it like you know if yeah yeah i go go if you're at the 35 or the 40 what the hell go for it you're dead you're a 19 point underdog be the james franklin that we fell in love with at vanderbilt do some dumb risky things do an outside kick like do a fake punt like it doesn't it doesn't matter like you're, you're a three touchdown underdog be stupid. It, you know, <laughs> I, I realize I'm saying be stupid after I say be smart, but you know, pick your spots. Like, don't punt the ball to Jabril Peppers. Make sure that the wind is not in your face when you're kicking off. Otherwise, squib it down the, you know, squib it down the middle of the field. Um, I don't know. It's it's just it, it's just such a. a, a a dire spot for them in so many ways. So have, you know, yeah. be, be a little, be a little brave while also being a little smart, pick your yeah, spots and, exactly. and, and try to get weird when appropriate. Yeah. Going back to how does Penn state win? You kind of just hit on it. Take calculated, smart risks, kicking the ball to Jabril peppers. So he has a chance to return. It is not a smart risk. That is just a risk that can very easily backfire. But if it's fourth and one from the 34, 35-yard line, just because we've seen those situations for the first few games, go for that. What else do you have to lose? You might as well. No one cares if you lose by 35 or 15. Exactly. Especially to a team like – against a team like Michigan, if you get blown out by trying to go all the way into the back of the playbook, I think most Penn State fans will go, all right, we see that, yes, Penn State's not there yet, but they were doing everything they could and pulling all the tricks out of the bag to win this football game. And that's something that, well, yeah, it's not great that Penn State loses by three, four, five possessions. It's still something that I think we can generally kind of live with, especially considering there's a not terrible chance that Penn State goes into the bye week before Ohio State 4-2, and two, which I think a lot of fans would be pretty happy with. Yeah, don't don't let it turn into one of those, like, Late era Joe Paterno games where the the score is going to be twenty seven to six at the end, and you know that by the middle of the first quarter. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, uh, let's get to the part where we predict this game. Um, 
None of us are going to predict a win. I'll go first. I have Michigan 41, Penn State 17. Um, I think Penn State takes a few of those risks. I think Penn State tries to do some wacky stuff, but ultimately I just think Michigan's a bit too much, uh, especially because it's on their home field. Michigan has played exactly zero games away from the big house to start the season. And looking at their schedule, it's five straight home games to start the year. And then they go to Rutgers, which isn't exactly terrifying. And then they host Illinois and then they go to Sparty. So they'll get theirs maybe eventually, but Michigan is going to know how to win at home. It's going to know how to prepare for a game at home. The crowd's going to be loud. They know, and this is something that I'm going to touch on in my preview. We keep talking, you know, a big game for Penn State, as we wrote today on the site. Uh, well, not as we wrote today, as we wrote on Thursday on the site. This is a big game for Penn State because Penn State needs, needs, needs to one of these days be the team that's ranked in the top four, and this is the chance to do that. This is also a really big game for Michigan. There are a lot of people who have doubts about how good Michigan is. I mean, I'm not trying to call any of our commenters out, but there are plenty of people in our comment sections and comment sections around the web who are saying, no, Michigan is not as good as Michigan thinks. This is a chance for Michigan to go out, beat a team that's ranked in the top 30 handedly on their home field, and say for everyone who thinks that we're a bit overrated, look at what we can do, not when we're just facing the Hawaii's and Central Florida's and the Earth, but when we're facing the Penn State's, and next week when we're facing the Wisconsin's. So... I think Michigan is going to take this game really, really seriously. And I wouldn't be surprised if this one gets a little bit out of hand. But there, there are some things in the end that we take away. And above everything else, we shrug and go, eh, Michigan's really good. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Uh, I've already pr- predicted two different scores for this <laughs> game. Uh, one on Penn Live, where I think it was a little closer, like 41-21. And the one we're going to have on the site, which I think was 55 55- 27 Matt reminded me of it right before we started. That's so, it. I'll give you a third I'll give you a third score. Um, I'm going to say Michigan 44 Penn State 20. <laughs> um, I think Penn State will score some points. I think they'll move the ball, but they've had problem you know, problems finishing drives and I I think this is just too big a spot for this team at this time. Awesome. Uh, Matt, you what do you think? Uh, I have Michigan forty-five twenty-four. Um, anyway, we, we've we've hit on all the reasons, so I don't know if there's a whole lot to add. But I think it's just um, you, you hit on a good point, Bill. That you know, a team, you know, Michigan has so much experience. Like I said earlier, and whether they want to admit it or not, and whether Jim Harbaugh wants to admit it or not, they hear the talk that you know, yeah. they haven't played anyone yet. You know, everything's been at home. They haven't been challenged. Um, you know, they struggled against Colorado early. They hear that and they know that, whether they're going to admit it or not. And even though this isn't a you know a nineteen a mid nineties or mid eighties era Penn State team, it's still Penn State, and the name you know has some some meaning you know when you read it in the paper on Sunday or you hear it. It's not a bad Penn State team either. Like this is no, a Penn no, State I mean, this, team this, this, that is, is not a averaging thirty five points a game. This is not the the two thousand one Penn State team that uh, Chris mentioned it earlier, the twenty seven six kind of game. I think it was twenty yeah. nothing or twenty one nothing. That was my freshman year. Yeah, they're not. Uh, ho- they're not hopeless. Yeah. No, this this is it's a it's the best team Michigan's played to this point, and you know that they've been hearing all week, both from their coaches and from each other, that this is you know their their first real opportunity to make a statement this year. It's a national game, three thirty kickoff. 
against a, a named team that's not bad. And I think they're going to be focused. And I don't think Penn State's going to play bad. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't see them going in and looking totally overwhelmed and getting run out of the stadium by by the end of the second or the first half. But I do think that Michigan is just better, and Penn State's going to make those mistakes they can't afford to um, because they're playing a better team. And uh, it, 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 you know, I, I like to say a lot that it, it won't be as close to the score indicates, and this one will be about as close to the score indicates. It'll be about a, a twenty-one point game. <laughs> And you will know, we'll leave, and you'll have the idiots online that want to fire James Franklin into the sun from a large cannon because Penn State should never lose a football game to anyone ever, regardless of, of the reality of the situation. Um, but I think most of us will go on. You know, it'll be about what we expected, and we'll move on to uh, you know two winnable home games before the bye week. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're a Penn State fan, you want to see you know a little half step of progress and a little bit of balls. Yeah, yeah. I and, think the, and someone that, that's, was that's, go ahead. Someone said earlier this week, I can't remember where, it's, where it was, um, actually, actually it might have been Sean Fitz over on 247, I was, I was reading something he wrote, that it, you know, when you look to what to expect for this game, it's just don't get embarrassed. Um, you know, don't, don't be that 2013 Ohio State game. Don't be the Michigan State game last year. Yeah, don't be that, Ohio that's State what I'm going to worry about. Don't, I, I fear that this turns into the Michigan State game of last year. I, 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 that potential is certainly there. Um, you know, I don't. You know, Harbaugh and his staff certainly want to make a statement if the opportunity is there. But I, I think that keeping it close-ish and not looking like you don't belong on the same field as Michigan is at this point in Penn State's progress from you know where they're they're coming from is a reasonable expectation and. Uh, probably in reality what we should be looking for um unless you know things break the right way and they have a chance at the end and then we throw everything out the window and uh you know win the game yeah get in yeah, leave, leave yeah. leave with something to build on exactly get embarrassed against minnesota that's a problem get embarrassed against maryland that's a big problem you get embarrassed against michigan that's not great but i don't think that there's going to be anyone who is too furious that a Michigan team that has a million seniors and a coach who is a wizard and it's on their home field and Penn State is, you know, young and injured. I don't think there are going to be too many people who are too furious about that. But, you know, I just mentioned Minnesota. I think the way to wrap this pot up is by picking some Big Ten games. Uh, oh. This week's Big Ten slate is booty. That's one. That's probably the most... Uh, <laughs> generous way I could put it. So what I'll do is I'll give you guys the line. Don't pick the spread. Just straight up. Uh, what do you who do you think ends up winning? First up, Minnesota playing host to mighty Colorado State. Uh, Minnesota's a 17-point favorite in this game. Um, they're probably going to end up winning unless they're looking ahead to their mashup with the mighty Nittany Lions. Do either of you have a hot take on this game for either team? First oh, round. Colorado State's uniforms are dope. Yeah. Always loved them. Yeah. Minnesota's going to win. Yes, big time. Yes. Be, behind future first-round NFL draft pick Mitch Leidner, the, the Gophers will win this one. That, that is the extent of my knowledge of, of yeah. Minnesota-Colorado State. Yeah. Going to look good in a Bears uniform next year. Uh, guy. No, uh, the brown, th- that, that guy has Browns draft pick. Yes, he does. Browns. Or wait, he's a tall dude with a big arm. 
That's Bill's country, baby. Oh. They, they need someone who can throw in that winter buffalo wind. Have nice. you been to Cleveland? Um, no. I <laughs> have been to Buffalo. Have you though. seen the Browns? Uh, they just started They started RG3 for 15 minutes before he got hurt again, so, I mean, anything's Under. possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, but actually one thing, since we mentioned Minnesota, uh, I want to give a shout-out to something that Treb wrote uh, for the site on Thursday. Uh, this is just because, you know, it came from over from Minnesota. That's Matt Limegrover and how the offensive line has gotten better under him. I highly, highly, highly recommend going and checking that out. A lot of Minnesota fans were really happy to see Lime Grover leave, uh, but I think we all agree that they wanted to see Lime Grover, the offensive coordinator, leave and not Lime Grover, the offensive line coach, who may have never sent a guy to the NFL, but Minnesota always had consistently solid to really good lines. So uh, read what Tread wrote. Shout out to Matt Lime Grover. Shout out to the guys over at Crimson Quarry. The next game on the schedule, <laughs> uh, Nevada. The fight Kick was good. The, the kick was good. The fighting Akeel Lynches are going to Purdue. Um, Purdue is a five-and-a-half-point favorite, which is a very weird sentence to say, mostly because Purdue is 91st nationally in S&P+, but Nevada is 96th. And you know what they say, going into West Lafayette and winning, well, that's a pain for anyone. Will Nevada be able to go into West Lafayette and win, Matt? Uh, I'm going to go a little crazy here and say no. I, I'm, I'm the captain of the Daryl Hazel train just because I really want him to be good because I think he's a good coach. Um, and uh, maybe I should root for him to lose so he gets a better job than Purdue. I don't know. No, I, I, I will take the Boilermakers yeah. in this one. He should go and, be an uh, offense coordinator somewhere. Just go, so go, go back settled. to Kent State and get the next Josh Cribs and, and win 11 games a year and, and have a great time. Well, Nobody should ever take the Purdue job. <laughs> I mean, give me Nevada. By I the was way. gonna say, yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. I mean, the only person who I think should take the uh, take the Purdue job is they should convince Joe Tiller to pull a Bill Snyder. But actually, Ooh. I think I think this was mentioned on the pod in the past, and I'll have to go back and listen. And if not, I'm gonna bleep this out. But friend of the site Matt Brown of Sports on Earth has suggested that Purdue should hire Dave Wanstead when that job opens up, which would be amazing. I need that so badly. Uh, but yeah, I'm, not, I'm not against it. I, I'm never against getting Wani off my television. Uh, no, get, get him back in the game. Get him back on yeah. our schedule. In all likelihood, they should probably go after Kevin Sumlin if he ends up getting fired, but he's probably not. So neither here nor there. Uh, the next game, do you guys want to disrespect Iowa and, and Rutgers and not talk about this game? Yes. Okay. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, number 11 Wisconsin Badgers, have to travel to East Lansing to take on a Michigan State team uh, that brought Notre Dame to the woodshed last week. I mean, I know the final score, when you look at it, you're not going, oh, well, that's not as horrifically one side. Yeah, 36-28, so it looks close. Michigan State, they put a whooping up on Notre Dame last week. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites. Wisconsin is coming into town. I think Michigan State, I think they're still not well, – I'm still not 100% sure what to think about them, even though that win over Notre Dame was impressive. But I also think that Wisconsin is not as good as a week one win over Leonard Fournette in the fight in West Miles is, would leave us to suggest. So um, I think Michigan State probably puts a whooping up on them. Uh, Chris, what do you think? I'll take Wisconsin and a freshman quarterback. Okay. 
I don't know why. Um, <laughs> you because, sound because, really because, sure of that pick. Yeah, yeah, because Notre Dame might be trash. So, um, yeah, give me Wisconsin. What the hell? Give me a letdown from Smarty. Sure. Okay. Uh, Matt, what about yourself? I don't think either of these teams is is as good as their ranking would indicate. Um, I think they're getting by, in Wisconsin case, on beating the name LSU, not the 2016 version of LSU. Yeah, exactly. And, and MSU is getting by on the previous four years of success and a win at a now two-loss Notre Dame team that probably isn't nearly as good as people thought going into the year. And may not believe. Notre Dame yeah. and it was South Bend, so that's good. And they may not uh, believe in the concept of playing defense, which... Well, well, no, Notre Dame might not. Like Michigan State, Michigan State does because Michigan State man, he believes in playing defense and running the dang football. Oh, as, <laughs> as they as they should. I mean, have you seen their running backs in their line? But but uh, with all that said, I think Michigan State is just a much better team than Wisconsin. Um, I think we saw more of what Wisconsin probably is in that game that was kind of disgusting against Georgia State last weekend. <sighs> that. Was just I, I was sitting in, in a very comfortable chair in the Wynn Sportsbook watching it, and just it wasn't very good football, um, my other team. Um, but was Michigan State at home, oddly, in a noon kickoff on BTN. Well, that's another podcast in and of itself, why that's the, the schedule. Uh, but uh, Michigan State, a couple of touchdowns at home. I think they win it pretty handily. So you, you know who disagrees with you on the whole uh, Michigan's much better – Oh, wait. Yeah, Michigan State's much better than Wisconsin point. You know who disagrees with you on that? You? Bill Connolly does. According to S&P Plus, Wisconsin is the number 20 team in the country. Michigan State is the number 30 team in the country. Also, this is fun. I'm looking at uh, the percentile performance for uh, Wisconsin against Georgia State. Their percentile performance was 12%. Their offensive percentile was 19%, and their defensive percentile was 24%, and yet their win expectancy was still 76%. So <laughs> That game was good, so bad. Good job playing nobody, Wisconsin. Everyone uh, who watched the Penn State-Temple game last week ju- then didn't have to subject themselves to that is, is so lucky. It was just it was dumb football. Well, speaking of dumb football, <laughs> yes. let's talk about Indiana. I already shouted out the guys, so... Let's just get right into this one. They are hosting Wake Forest, the Demon Deacons, year three of Dave Clawson. They're coming in 3-0, but their schedule is Tulane, who they beat by 4, 7-3. Duke, who they beat by 10. Oh, God. (laughs) Why? And then Delaware, who they beat by 17. Their offensive S&P is 103. Indiana is 43. Um, Indiana isn't exactly beaten up on, you know, the big guys either. At Florida International, they won that game, and they beat Ball State at home by 10, exercising one of Kevin Wilson's biggest demons. So, I'm going to take Indiana because I love my Hoosiers. Uh, I'm writing this for uh, a different team for Uproxx on Friday, but I love dumb, crazy football, and Indiana plays dumb, crazy football. They're a seven-point favorite over a Wake Forest team that beat Tulane 7-3. to So uh, what do you expect, uh, Chris? Do we have any reason not to believe in my beloved Hoosiers? Uh, no, and <laughs> I'm not picking any team that was involved in the 7-3 game against <laughs> Tulane. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Indiana. I, I, 
That's like a law, I think, isn't it? I, yeah. I need to go back and look, but like thou shalt not be a loss. A seven three team. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I believe that was in Leviticus. So uh, yes, yes, yes. I, I went to, <laughs> the, the lost. Yeah, I went to Catholic school for two years, so I know these things. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I, they won seven to three over Tulane. Jesus, this is supposed to be the year that they maybe make the bowl a bowl game. Like that was their opening game, so like it happens, but. I'm going to have to look at this box score later because I cannot imagine that it's not just like a marvel. At um, home against Tulane, the number 121 team in S&P Plus, 7-3. Woo! Like okay, that, that football, was, that was a dumber game than Wisconsin-Georgia State. <laughs> and finally, uh, the final game of the weekend. This actually has some potential to be pretty good. Uh, a Nebraska team that looks like it's actually pretty good travels to uh, Evanston to take on Northwestern, Northwestern team that may not be all that good. Uh, it's kicking off at 7.30. It's under the lights in Evanston. Could be interesting. I mean, Northwestern lost to Western Michigan. They're a good team. And then Illinois State, they won that game, lost not that game 9-7. to seven. Um, and then they beat Duke by 11 at home last week. So, and then Nebraska, uh, Nebraska's played three games. They beat the hell out of Fresno State and Wyoming, and then they beat Oregon by three in what was a pretty solid football game. So, uh, Matt, what are you thinking? Uh, do you think that Nebraska is able to pull the home upset here, or uh, is, this, is this just a special year for Nebraska, and they may be looking at a trip to Indianapolis at the end of it? Well, first of all, I want to go back to the Indiana game because you didn't ask me my prediction. Oh, Indiana's going to win 75-40 to because that's what I predict in every Indiana <laughs> game. That's smart. Let's be honest, there's a potential for that every time Indiana plays a football game. That's smart. That's uh, all that, I want Penn State to be, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to be bad, be entertainingly bad. Yes. Uh, that's that's a, that's my, my, my motto from my four years as a student at Penn State. But I digress. Uh, Nebraska... Good Northwestern, not that good. Uh, and there's gonna be like ten people at this game in Evanston on a Saturday night in Chicago with literally everything else to do, and like nine of those people are gonna be Nebraska fans. So I'm gonna take the Huskers uh, pretty pretty comfortably in this one. I think. Yeah, Chris, what about you? There will be thirty thousand people at this game, and twenty nine thousand five hundred of them will be Nebraska fans who they will travel. travel. So well, um, Duke. I'm sorry, Northwestern lost to Duke. What's the difference? Northwestern beat Duke. Well, yeah, okay, okay, fine. But (laughs) they lost involved. (laughs) Yes, but Duke was involved uh, in a ten point loss to Wake Forest, who only beat Tulane seven to three at home. (laughs) So get the hell out of here. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to pull all the get the hell out of here with Northwestern. Nebraska's going to win this handily. Yeah, Mike Riley, the nicest guy in college football. Well, listen, Mike, you deserve this one, big guy. Uh, so yeah, this is a fun episode of the pod. We need to uh, do it with this crew again. We'll like get Nick sick or something so we can do it more frequently. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining us for the first time. Hope to have you on a little more frequently. My pleasure. And Matt, uh, good work today. You don't mean that, but thank you. I do not mean that. Uh, read everything <laughs> on Roar Lions Roar. Uh, great stuff on the site. Follow us on social media at RLR Blog on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. We have a few more social media channels. Uh, I believe we have an Instagram. We have Flickr, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, buy a shirt. They're really nice. 
I've done this shtick a million times, but you should still, you should really buy a t-shirt. Uh, and yeah, thanks for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For Matt DeBear, for Chris Grovich, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, y'all.